And so we're seeing like, you know, on the one side, the candidates don't like that experience of having to go through this old school agency model. And then on the other side, you've got clients that are looking at platforms like this and why are they doing that? And so we started looking at that, looking at staffing agencies. And one of the big things we saw is that, you know, when a staffing agency interviews a candidate, they get that moment in time snapshot of data on that candidate's preferences, what they want to do, where they want to do it, when they want to do it, what their skills are. All of that information is stored, hopefully, in their ATS if they've done a good job of intaking it. But it's a snapshot in time. And today, um, with the democratization of information and the way people learn, it's no longer, you know, I'm going to go to school and I learn this and I do this for four years and then I leave and then I, I end up just going down this career path like our, you know, like our uh, the days of yore where we essentially picked a career path and like successfully defined by working at a blue chip company until you retired 40 hours a week. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Our firm focuses on three areas of opportunity as it pertains to technology in our industry. First is expeditious acquisition of technology, helping you make quick decisions and good investments for the betterment of your organization. The second is business process change management and adoption. And then finally, evangelization of your new differentiators of your digital transformation. Call Leap Consulting Solutions today. This episode is brought to you by Kylo Partners. Kylo is your Bullhorn Specialist and Bullhorn's first global implementation partner. Our solutions have helped 950 plus companies worldwide to transform how they use Bullhorn and get more out of their tech stack. Our products provide you with tremendous ROI, including Kyle Awesome Docs, the complete document management system right in Bullhorn, and the most powerful data management tool in the ecosystem, Kylo Data Tools. To learn more, visit kylopartners.com. Bienvenuto, Lauren. How are you? I uh, oh, I love this. Where I, I I love we've got languages, so we, oh, a, lang- a a multi-language opening. Uh, I am amazing. How are you, Rob? Well, I am doing okay. Uh, just. Just okay? Coming at you after acknowledge that you shamed me about something in the background of my video. I did. All of our listeners, Rob, Rob's a grown man, and he had dolls on his uh, shelves behind him, and I just made a simple observation. In the middle of a live podcast recording. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know. And now he's anyway. replaced it. He was embarrassed about his dolls, so he's replaced it with a stuffed animal, which is just far more grown up. I, it's a Kylo, which <laughs> is the company I work for. Well, anyway, Still a beanie baby, and a and named a named Angus. So I love it. <laughs> so it makes him tougher. Yeah. It makes him more grown up. <laughs> Listen, Angus Kylo Limited is a great company, and it's named after some meat. So love it. As they would say in Top Chef, carne. And then anyway, all right. Well, with us today, Rohan, sorry about that. We have Rohan Jacob, uh, the CEO and founder of Time Saved. How you doing, man? Good. Not, not as good as you guys, but I'm good. Thanks. We've had our Wheaties this morning for sure. There was definitely a lot of sugar in some someone's coffee. Anyway, yeah. Um, Rohan, so super excited to, to chat with you. Um, you Likewise. Know. Thanks for having me, guys. We're, we're really jazzed to talk about the future of work um, and how the modern worker actually interacts in the workplace. 
so uh, most importantly, as all journeys begin, can you tell us, uh, give us a two quick two minute elevator pitch about yourself, your background, uh, and time saved? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you were asking about um, how I came from um, Best Buy over to tech. So I actually started in tech a very long time ago, um, back when I had hair. The young kid uh, went to school for that uh, and essentially worked at an insurance company. I was a back-end engineer. And then my first manager kind of recruited me into my first startup. And that was back when I was 19. Um, that startup crashed and burned and subsequent startup crashed and burned and ended up in retail. Um, one of my mentors at the time, advisors, friends, whatever you want to call it. I was young at the time, but uh, luckily I had someone in my life who said, hey, you can go and build stuff, but if you don't know how to how to sell it, how to actually define its value, um, it's no good. And he kind of knew that I was into tech. And so he said, you know, go work at, uh, in, in Canada, Best Buy, uh, before they bought it, there was a company called Future Shop. Um, and it was essentially the exact same thing, right? Like uh, you walk in, whether you're probably familiar with like Fry's, Circuit City, it was more similar to like a Circuit City, if you remember that, the commissioned environment. Um, and it was basically you'd, you'd go into a tech, tech stop, shop and get everything from computers to TVs to appliances all in that one spot. Um, Best Buy bought the company in 2002 and I ended up being there. Um, I, I started off in sales time while I had another sort of business on the side, um, fixing people's computers, doing computer networking, all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then and ended, up, ended up managing uh, stores. So the nice thing about FutureDrop is that they kind of gave you a box and you could do whatever you wanted within that box. As long as you were turning a profit, um, you could pretty much run it like it was your own thing. And so I ended up going uh, through different stores all the way up to the flagship in Canada. And then one day we essentially couldn't compete with Amazon, um, you know, Best Buy running two brands. Um, you see this happening in a lot of retail and a lot of different uh, verticals. You have two different brands doing the exact same thing and it worked for a period of time, but um, at, at a certain point it didn't work when we were competing with Amazon. And so the decision had to be made, are we going to shut down Best Buy or are we going to shut down Future Shop? And of course, Best Buy was the parent company. And so uh, Future Shop was gone. We essentially lost 1,500 people in one day when that happened. Wow. Um, uh, senior management, we were allowed to move over, um, given the choice. But, you know, that was at the point um, I'd kind of been thinking about, like, you know, wh where is work going? And, you know, leads into our conversation that we were planning on having today. Um, you know, my dad used to be the office manager for a company called Linamar, and uh, they are a $5 billion automotive company. His mandate there was to bring in robotics, and every every ABB machine that comes in replaces three people on a line. And so, you know, manufacturing, the world of that world of work was changing. Um, across from our flagship location was Sears, and Sears had also gone through a massive transformation. Uh, another retail store. So we've seen we were seeing this shift happening in retail and manufacturing. You know, trucking was going through a similar shift. And so we're kind of seeing like this shift in the world of work. And uh, back in 2015, decided to get back into tech and try and solve this problem. Um, and that's where TimeSave was born. The first version was essentially, how do I take these people that we just have to let go? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible conversation to have to have with people. You know, it's one thing when you're performance managing someone and you put them on a PIP, like a performance improvement plan, 
um, you know, we were just talking about sales, Rob, and you know how how that world is. It's very different when you're when you're doing that sort of conversation and you've kind of prepped someone for the eventual, uh, con- like you know that they know that they're leaving. It's very different when it's like, hey, this is totally out of your control. I know you've been working here for 20 years and this was your first job in a new country, um, and it's gone because and you couldn't have done anything to avoid it. Um, and so, you know, we've seen, we were seeing that shift happening in, in various different places and how do we sort of um, prep people for that next role? Was that longer than two minutes? Probably, but. Oh, that was it good. was awesome. That was good. Where uh, That's okay. So essentially you, by the way, you had to have, you had those conversations. You were the one, you, you, were, weren't, the one, you were the one in the room. But you weren't the yeah, CEO yeah. that did it on Zoom, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more thoughtful. What a debacle. A little bit more thoughtful. That guy oh, came uh, back. They brought that guy back. I don't know. I know they did. I can't believe it, but, nah. you know. More, yeah. more companies losing trust with their customers and their employees, right? So, I mean, if the, if the business is going out and they're putting a brand out, but, like, yeah, like, that happened in 2015. It happened in 2020. And we wonder why people want to freelance and work for themselves, right? Did you see that article, okay. Lauren, the freelance revolution? I think that's really where we're going, right? I, I totally agree. But I, I love this origin story because it really does it really does paint the picture of the loss of trust that people have and time saved born of the idea of giving them control. Um and giving giving that control back to the end user, you know. Um I, I, I love this idea that the way work works is changing. And I was just talking yesterday with someone uh, about sort of, you know, my background and, you know, one of the things that I was always so thoughtful about was benefits and you have to make sure, but they've made them so accessible for the individual now. And so I really feel like there's this big shift happening uh, and it's it's such a meaningful thing to give somebody control of their own destiny. And it's it's, it's increasingly difficult to get people um, that are transitioning from one role to another. And oftentimes they don't realize that they have a lot of skills that they have accumulated in their old role that are completely transferable. But, you know, they need some help connecting those dots. How, how do we actually go from what we were doing before over to this? And yeah, maybe they need to upskill and reskill and do a little bit of, uh, of, of learning. But there's a lot of transferable things that you can, you can get from other jobs if you have that, if you have someone there that can help you with it. And, you know, a lot of times I read about, um, you know, governments wanting to upskill by sending everybody to a coding academy. And, you know, that's not necessarily the right answer. Not everyone wants to be a, a developer, an engineer. Um, are we, do we all need to understand um, technology? Sure, absolutely. It's, 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 it plays a role in every part of our lives. It's hard to kind of, it's hard to ignore, but um, are you really going to be able to find, to get everyone that's moving away from manufacturing, from retail, from trucking, from, you know, a lot of these older industries into being a developer? Is that really the solution? Um, well, don't get me on the trade soapbox, right? So my, my husband builds houses and and uh, uh, getting people to understand that welders can now make, you know, 100 plus an hour and that good tradesmen um, are making more than six figures uh, annually. You know, the trades need help. And um, 
anything that will enable their ability to see what is um, available for them. And I totally agree with you. The businesses that are helping people sort of connect the dots, I experienced this with the military. You know, we when we put together the uh, military program, you know, your your veterans are handed a VMET, you know, when they get out. Uh, verification military experience and training and they're like okay go ahead and try and exist in civilian life right okay okay well what is my military occupational what is my mos you know what does that mean in civilian life and the businesses like pg and e that were saying all right these military occupational specialties um, are applicable to this job this job this job and this job and really helping them take those discernible skills and apply them in civilian life. Well, the same thing needs to be done for those that you know, take on this project work and gain skills and gain skills and gain skills with every project that they do. We need to help them. And that's, I think, you know, in our industry, our role is to help them connect those dots. And so when people are afraid of technology coming in and replacing an individual, they are not thinking about how we can take what we know and what our skills are as recruiters and experts in this industry to help that end user and help the customer connect the dots. Remember, a submittal isn't just about throwing up all the things that are great about this person. It's about explaining to a customer why you think this person is the right fit and connecting those dots. And all of this is so interconnected and technology just helps us do it faster. And, and, and again, for the candidate, helping them gain control. And that's exactly what they're looking for right now. We just, we have to, we have to oblige. We have to pivot. That's my call to actually all. One of the, yeah, actually. So, shameless plug. This this is actually something we built into Time Saved. So, Tell uh, us about it. Yeah, I mean, well, so when when we were looking at you know, the first version of Time Saved was nothing like what we have today. I don't know if you guys know this, but oh, um, I, I I oh, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I've well, you've seen it. Before, okay, yeah, no. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first version was. Are you guys familiar with TaskRabbit? Have you heard of TaskRabbit? Yes, Rabbit? of course. Um, so TaskRabbit does, didn't exist in Canada at the time. Um, they were only in eight cities. Um, you know, at, when I left, I started, I, I drove for Uber for a week because I wanted to understand, you know, why is this company just like, you know, blowing up? And it's, it's you know, it's, it, it was, it wasn't, um, I like talking to people. And so it was, it was a fun job for that what, one week. You get to talk to a ton of different people and, um, and then I went and sat in the office, you know, they have an office where drivers can go and kind of talk about their problems and what they're, they're seeing and uh, where their, where their challenges are. Cause like, again, I wanted to understand like their business. Why were they taking up to the same thing with like Airbnb? Um, I just wanted to kind of understand the sharing, what was called at the time, the sharing economy, what we're calling now the gig economy. Um, but I wanted to understand that TaskRabbit was another player in that space. And they were doing things where, you know, you could go on, you could create a profile and, um, if I needed someone to come and set up my router, uh, mow my lawn, shovel my snow, assemble my IKEA furniture, I could go to IKEA and I could look at Lauren's ratings and they would be significantly higher than Rob's because she's got her husband. <laughs> yeah. No, just in general. Because I'm a hire. robot. <laughs> she's very handy. No, let's be, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it was it was kind of like Upwork, um, mm -hmm. but for 
this on-site, you know, on-site work. And so that, that was the first version of TimeSafe. Um, we asked them if they wanted to come to Canada, but they were at the time only in eight cities. And they said, you know, we've got green fields in the U.S. Um, we don't want to deal with Canadian labor law, which is a little more strict than uh, U.S. labor law. Because oh, you actually they, like your citizens. Got it. <laughs> Check enter. Yeah. Not going to go into politics on this one. But yeah. That wasn't really a political thing. That was just a general observation. Doesn't matter, left, right, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was the first version. It was essentially like a, a web only platform. You know, we didn't have mobile apps or anything like that. It was literally a mobile enabled website uh, where you could go on, you could you could make a profile, and you know, you we could set you up. What we found was that small businesses were coming to the platform and using it for temp labor. Um, and so then we started interviewing those, those end clients and asking them. And then that's when I started to connect the dots. You know, we used to, in our distribution centers uh, at, at the retail uh, facility, back to school and Christmas time, you ramp your hiring, right? You're, you're growing 40%. Like you just turn it on, you right. need those people right away. And what we had to do was get give these staffing agencies months-long uh, notice to say, we think we're going to need this many people at this time in this location. And what do they do? They've got these Excel spreadsheets where they're calling down lists and they're just asking if you can get to that location and if you have this skill set and hang up the phone if that person answers no to any one of those questions and try to get the next person on the phone. And yep. it's getting increasingly harder for them because nobody likes to answer the phone anymore. And so we're seeing like, you know, on the one side, the candidates don't like that experience of having to go through this old school agency model. And then on the other side, you've got clients that are looking at platforms like this and why are they doing that? And so we started looking at that, looking at staffing agencies. And one of the big things we saw is that, you know, when a staffing agency interviews a candidate, they get that moment in time snapshot of data on that candidate's preferences, what they want to do, where they want to do it, when they want to do it, what their skills are. All of that information is stored, hopefully, in their ATS if they've done a good job of intaking it. But it's a snapshot in time. And right. today, um, with the democratization of information and the way people learn, it's no longer, you know, I'm going to go to school and I learn this and I do this for four years and then I leave and then I, I end up just going down this career path like our, you know, like our, uh, the days of yore where we essentially picked a career path and like successfully defined by working at a blue chip company until you retired 40 hours a week, get a pension. And that was success, right? Like Lauren, you and I were talking about that. Um, yeah. My like dad that. worked for the same company for 35 years. And, you know, he looking at me like, you know, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, retire for what? I work when I want, how I want, do I want, you know, it's, 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 it's the generation of choice. Uh, um, My parents cannot comes to work. Anthem what I do ever. I know it's crazy. They're like, it's crazy. Like, so normally my mom, if they're like, my mom's in, in town, she'll just walk in. I'll be on a video call, like doing a demo or something. She'll just walk in. I'll be like, Okay, what's up? <laughs> and, um, and and she's like, like, "Who are you talking to?" Yeah, they can't figure it out. It's so fun. I'm not <laughs> a high school teacher for 37 years, so kind of in the same vein, Lauren. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So Rob, it's different, right? And so, yeah. like, if 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 somebody learns something, like, let's say, for example, if we're talking light industrial, you you place a, a spot welder on a job because they just learned that skill. Chances are, over time, they're going to learn TIG and MIG. And how do you as a recruiter or as a staffing agency understand that that skill set has changed, that that, that candidate's propensity to want to work and do 
spot welding is going to change because you know if they now know these other skills they're they're going to want to explore leveraging those skills because it's going to mean hopefully more more money for them and if we're only showing them jobs that are related to that moment in time snapshot of information that we got during their interview process we're, we're doing them a disservice and they're not going to be interested in those jobs so how do we actually switch that and allow the candidates to update that themselves um, mm-hmm. on the go and yeah you know it's still up to the agency to kind of validate that that's their that's their role in the relationship between that candidate um, and and the end client but still to be able to shift that work and again give that give that transparency to the candidate to be able to do that and you know everybody's got access to a phone why not do that in their um, in their profile and have that information feed into uh, a staffing platform or an ATS? And and then we're we're also saying you know wage transparency, and and what you are referring to is doing a really good job of career pathing. Salesforce has done this. You know you get this accreditation, you make this much. You get this, you do this, you did you know. And there are paths for people to walk within the organization that are very very clear for them to go, okay, I wanna make this amount of money, this is what I need to get done. And there's clarity, there's transparency. And that is what I think you know, this loss of trust, the crux of that is the lack of transparency. And I don't know if you saw the tweet that sort of went viral the other day um, where a recruiter was was like, um, I just got a candidate for 85,000, even though the budget was 130,000. and. You know, they didn't know. I know. It's current everywhere. Events, yeah. It's everywhere. And this poor recruiter is just being demonized. And, but what it screams is transparency. First of all, if this is not a, the woman not supporting another woman, I mean, don't even get me started. Because uh, this was female candidate, female candidate, female recruiter. And, you know, if you could have helped her get 130,000, uh, you should have. But, I digress. It is still screaming wage transparency, career path transparency. If I want to make this, you know, and I want to save this, how do I get there? And we have to help them break it down to the ridiculous. That is our jobs. And any technology, again, that supports that. Well, I think, I think, again, one of the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead. I'll well, what, what we were kind of going after was, you know, again, looking like watching what recruiters were doing um, when we first started out in the product thinking was uh, there's so much minutia, so much administrative work. And I, I know you guys talk about this all the time, um, but how can we truly expect a recruiter that is so busy with the day-to-day stuff that they have to be doing to also then layer on, connect the dots for this person, help them do that, that career transitioning. And so the only way to really do that is taking some of the other things off of their plate. But, you know, at the end of the day, staffing agencies, recruiting agencies are businesses, and they need to continue to deliver. Um, oh, that's something. Um, that's okay. I, there's background um, noise, guys. That's okay. Go ahead, Ron. Finish what you're saying. No yeah. Um, yeah. How do, how, do we can, how do we actually expect a recruiter to do that? If, if they have to, to continue doing all this other work and a staffing agency still needs to deliver, whether it's, you know, to an individual owner or to a board, um, their results. And so the only way to really do that is if we can leverage technology to take off some of that busy work, and then we can free up um, that recruiter's time to be that career coach. We still have to probably train 
recruiters on being that career coach potentially. But if we were able to do that by freeing up their time, now that's actually that's actually creative both to the staffing agency's business, the candidates, and the end clients because we can upscale this candidate. They open they open up to more opportunities, um, which ends up you know place making more money for the staffing agency and getting more options for their end clients. I love it. I love it. I'm in. Where do I sign? Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I'd love to hear, um, you know, it, it, so in my mind, right, like ease of use for the candidate to be able to go in and update it. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, what's kind of the anecdotal success stories that, that you might have. Like, do you, have, do you have stories of the candidates going in for a certain agency? I'm, this, I'm super curious about this because I think, you know, we talk about selling SaaS and we talk about allowing the buyer to basically know what they're buying before they get to me or to you, Rohan, right? Or to Lauren, right? Like the, the buyer's journey should be on your website. So essentially what we're doing is putting the control of the career path and the skills directly into a candidate's hand, update on their own. And then that career coach, which is probably a much better thing to call a recruiter in the future, um, is going to be able to pick up and connect the dots. So do you have any, any stories or any anecdotes um, of success here? I'm, I'm, just, I'm really interested. I think this is, you know, the buyer's dream has changed. And I think that's, this is a reflection of that, even in, the, in someone's career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'll talk about, I'll talk about travel and everything just because it, it's such a, it's such a growth uh, industry right now. But if you look at, you know, how, how a typical recruiter interviewed travel nurses in the past, they, they'd have a conversation and they'd, they'd you know, we get on the phone and uh, it's like, hey, Lauren, what types of role are you looking for? Where are you looking for them? What, what are your skill sets? You're going to have to go through credentialing at some point in the future. But I want to understand you. And so they have this 15, 30 minute conversation. And during that conversation, the person tells, like the candidate tells the recruiter that they're looking for roles in New York and Massachusetts and in, in, in that sort of area. And the diligent recruiter then goes out and finds those roles that match what that candidate tells them that they're looking for. Um, and, so like and a, discovery call, a discovery call, an interview, the same kind of thing. Um, but for recruiting, it's more of a discovery because you're trying to fit, you're trying to figure out the solution to this challenge or this desire right, or want. And as a good recruiter, the, the, the modus operandi is basically like, okay, I'm going to then give you those, those positions that you asked for. Right. And then I'm doing you exactly, I'm giving you exactly what you wanted. And how many times as a recruiter, do you then see, uh, you know, a candidate that has a better paying job in a better location, um, potentially for a different company and a better company and inexplicably, inexplicably they don't take that role. Uh, why, why is that? And so, you know, what people tell us and what people do are sometimes, they're not always the same thing. And so we see this even in behaviors that we can look at on the app. And so, you know, as a, can, as a candidate is looking through the app, if the conversation changes and it's like, hey, go, go have, go look at the jobs on our app and you can change your preferences and you can save them on there and you can, you can uh, look at everything that you see is exactly the same thing that I'm seeing. So I'm not, I'm being completely transparent with you, but I want to be your guide along the way. And for me to be able to do that most effectively, if you go in and sort of like a few jobs, that'll tell me that what types of jobs you're looking for. So go and do three to five and that'll give me, and then I'll start to uh, send some to you that actually might fit you better. 
And so we've seen that change the, the dynamic in that travel nursing conversation where, you know, previously they were only showing those jobs in New York and Massachusetts that the candidate asked for. And lo and behold, when they're shown jobs in California and in Florida and Texas, um, they're actually clicking on that they're interested. Or conversely, they're clicking that they're not interested and we're learning about why they're not interested. It's a pay too low. You can take that data back to your clients and say, hey, you know, we, we actually got um, a ton of people that were, that gave us feedback. And it's not just anecdotally that we're telling you that the wage rate on this job is too low. We've actually got the data behind it to show you that this is why people are saying, um, you know, that, that they don't want to take this job. So how do we make that, that data accessible, transparent, and also make it super easy for people to actually do it, like to, to put it in themselves? So you're not playing that broken telephone, right? Like in the past, that that information might have happened, like might have come in from a candidate to a recruiter, and then the hope is that it gets entered into a system somewhere so that somebody else could pick it up and take it back to the client. But if we can, um, you know, broken tell like reduce the amount of broken telephone that's happening there, um, well, can yeah. be more impactful. You know, asynchronous work is essentially what's happening. It's an asynchronous partnership, right? Like. I message Lauren, uh, I'm feeling messed with Lauren right now. I message Lauren something that we need to do at like 5 p.m. on a Monday. And she responds to my text message at 5 p.m. on the Friday after. It eventually gets done, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, yeah, okay, I, I made fun of you about your stuffed animals and your dolls. You make fun of me about my response. Uh, fair, fair, well played, no, my but, friend. Well, well played, if we're doing well pro- that's why you have like things like Asana. Uh, so that you can or oh you're welcome now anyway so you. so Ron, so i mean it it makes sense it's the it, it's much more modern right it's like you can asynchronously update your recruiter because you have access to a technology that allows you to control your preferences control and and give them that amazon experience that's going to bubble up more relevant work um which is improving the the buyer's journey essentially, right? And improving that on the one side, it, yeah, on, yeah, improving on that conversion rate, hopefully like, too, right? Yeah, look, it's less work for the recruiter if you tell me what you want, right? Like, that's why a good discovery call when you're buying a product or you're selling a more complicated solution is important. Um, but like, they should know what the software is and how it works before they get to the salesperson who is just going to validate that you know what it's going to do is is what it, what they're looking for, right? So. It's really, it's it's really again. I think the the way that I'm picturing it's like it's the modern buyer's journey for a candidate, which is what we've been talking about with the you know, the freelance revolution, the great migration, the lack of trust. Right? There's no consumerism of the of the job. You know, we 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 forget that job seekers are consumers, Um, and 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 now particularly after COVID, this is what they're used to. Right? The cell phone. The almighty cell phone, the smartphone, uh, you know, I sort of want to helping. Throw mine out the window, but okay. Yeah, sometimes, right? When I get, you know, I get lots of texts from Rob, apparently. Um, <laughs> but no, the quality I mean, of shade today is on point. Yes, I know. Uh, but how many phones they, do you have? <laughs> just no. Oh, it's this one. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I I don't have. I don't have a burner phone people. Wait, why do you have two? You do, you're holding up two different phones. No. Oh, no. Okay. Why do you, I'm, 
Lauren is changed. So it's a podcast. So Lauren keeps changing the hand that the phone is in as she picks it up for Rowan. I can't not. help it. And so we can't, and, and we can't figure out what she's doing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that our, our, our job seekers are consumers and they are use, leveraging the power of a mobile device to, to, to make choices. And, and we just, we have to continue to empower them to do so. We have to continue to inform the recruiter who are, we are problem solvers, right? We are, we are going to where the problem exists of the lack of human capital. And if we could do that in an intelligent way where there's self-fulfillment happening, and then you're pointing us to where, you know, we have gaps, we can then go in and solve that problem. This is, um, this is how we solve for uh, this whole, uh, you know, the great migration, this, this candidate crisis that's going on is by informing each user, whether it's the recruiter or the candidate or the client uh, as to where to point their energy. Yeah, I love it. I think it's, it's super interesting. Um, oh, and yeah, so- Client expectations are changing too, right? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. More for less, yeah. more for less, more for less, more for less. That's, more I mean, less. isn't that always the demand? Yeah, and but I think even even if you look at like the mix of work, um, mm -hmm. again, the other, the other thing we were talking about the other day, right? Like, um, is, is the continuum ever going to go back to, um, I think everybody agrees, like it's never going to go back to the way it was, whether that means on-premise work, people going back into the office, all of that. But I think even beyond that, you know, um, now more and more people are saying, okay, well, we can be deliberately, um, you know, I was just talking to, to one of our other, um, one of the other companies that uh, we work with and the co-founder was telling me, you know, they, the, the, the term that they use now is that they are deliberately distributed. Um, and so, you know, if you need an office space to come in to and collaborate, there is one there, but they will never make it that you have to actually go back into the office and then beyond like what that's done for them is that it's opened up the ability for them to hire in places that they wouldn't have considered previously. And it's also made it so that they don't necessarily hire full-time people all the time. And so they're more, much more willing to bring in those freelancers, those part-timers, those people that can essentially do the thing that they need them to do um, in 10, 20, 25 hours and not have to pay someone for 40 hours where they're in the past, they would have been, you know, spending that time, filling that time at things like the water cooler and other places. And so, um, you know, there's, 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 pros obviously to the water cooler talk and uh, how do we kind of recreate that that camaraderie that culture building um, piece of of company culture but then if you think about um, the ROI from a company that's you know most often the one or the top one or two items on most companies PL is their people and then I but I, I think Rohan you're totally onto something this is this is this is I, I think I've said it before be a broken record here outcome driven work right this oh, yeah. is where we are headed is oh, outcome driven yeah. work um that you know plugging people you know the, the traditional work week 40 hours right but we know statistically that the average individual works what it was like 3.75 like the actual work that they 3.75 days you know of the five-day work week that's how much work you're actually getting out of them and when you get it down to hours you get about four to six hours a day out of an individual uh you know of 
of really good focus time. So how do we get clarity? This is that transparency and clarity of requirement and expectation. What putting those two things together and plugging people into a desired outcome is where we are driving. That's what TaskRabbit is about, whether it's putting your IKEA furniture together. Those early TaskRabbiters have actually created partnerships with IKEA um, where that's all they do now. And hired by IKEA, you know, and they're getting their gigs from uh, uh, online orders with IKEA. So this this outcome driven work is where we are headed and the businesses that have excellent clarity on what it is. And this is the thing that drives me crazy about job postings is this arbitrary list of demands. That's what I call it. This arbitrary bulleted dumb list of demands that somebody has a hundred percent of them. And, and, and then, you know, the, the and then your little statement uh, that, that dumb bullet at the end that says other duties as required. I'd like I want to strangle somebody that puts that in there because the job description is never the job description. How many of us are here? Raise your hand where you actually performed everything that was on your job description. I mean, like zero, zero percent. I do, but Raymond, when he hired me, knew what exactly what he was getting. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's clarity, right? Clarity of desired outcomes. So yeah, we have like a clear. very specific clear thing. Like it says, I have to continue to run a podcast in my in my statement of work, like, but you contributed to that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a collaborative job description. And the more we can get there, the more we can get to desired outcome. This is what I can, and this is what, and, and then validation of this is what I can contribute, you know, and then this is what I can do above and beyond that. Oh my gosh, well, the more satisfaction we're going to have. I think that, I think, so like, let's flip it back, right? To the candidate. It's like, okay, the candidate's telling you what their skills are and the client like has like, Hey, you're going to be an ER nurse. Like that's an easy one because guess what? The good thing about an ER nurse is you have to have some basic skills, but you don't know what you're going to do every day, unless you're working in like a rural spot or a really urban spot, in which case you can pretty much guess based on your shift, what's going to happen. Um, and then the holidays, right? If you're in New York on St. Patty's day, you're probably going to get a lot of drunk people in your hospital. Probably so, pumping a lot of stuff. Yeah. So like you can, that's yeah, that's exactly terrible. So I think, I think, I think the, the moral of the story is like, number one, if we want resumes to go away, Lauren, we're going to have to teach employers to, to, to your point is to stop putting those arbitrary bullet points. Oh my gosh. So candidates can stop putting their arbitrary crap, not that arbitrary it's their career, but like, it's like the idea, like they can just say, Hey, like, here's my experience. No, like, Hey, what products have you done? What part of those products have you done? It's almost like talking to a developer. What do you like to do? What do you want to learn? Okay, let's see if we can make that work. Does that make sense, Rohan? Absolutely does. Am I uh, muted? No, no you're good. You're on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. It it is difficult though, right? It, it's something that um it's it's a massive shift um for a lot of us, and us included, like as a startup, as a as a company ourselves. We get caught in that, yeah, in that trap too. Um, creating those job descriptions, trying to onboard people, trying to bring them in, um, but it makes a huge difference when you mm -hmm. do that properly. Um, you get you get retention, you get people. You know, you can go to a company's Glassdoor and you can see some of the things that people like and don't like about working at a company, and you'll oftentimes see that when, especially as companies age, you'll see some of those um, those 
complaints start to bubble up, start to surface. And so um, this is related to that conversation we had before the call. Sorry to interrupt. But when you and I were chatting before Lauren jumped on earlier, right, right, right. Yeah. The culture changes, the, the, the size of a business changes, it all matters. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how can you actually like, and it's so impactful that that turnover makes such a huge difference, you know, for us as a product company, if we didn't have people that were consistently working on this product, we wouldn't be able to accelerate as quickly as we have. We had constantly had turnover. If we constantly had people coming in and out, you, you get all these disjointed pieces that didn't really work too well together. You know, you sometimes see this with companies that like tend to acquire a lot of different pieces where um, the idea is that all of it is going to work together seamlessly. And then um, actually making that happen is very difficult. And so like it's the same thing with, with people when we have people on a team. Um, the more we can keep that cohesion and keep them satisfied, keep them in, um, it makes a huge impact on on everyone. So, yeah, I don't have a solution necessarily. I wish I did. But. Well, I mean, first of all, well, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> I mean, like pay people what they're worth, create a, a transparent, you know, environment um, where clarity of career path um, it is there for, for them to grab if they so desire. You have your steady eddies that, you know, they want to do one thing forever and ever. We need those people too. But um, uh, it is, we need all the people, but we need transparency. We need clarity of expectation and, and we need, uh, we need to pay people what they're worth. I have been talking about this for a long time that a come up and this happened and this great migration has happened is because people are going to where they feel appreciated, uh, monetarily and culturally and, you know, in their, and, and feel fulfilled in their work. Because uh, goes back to trust, right? So let's mm-hmm. let's build that trust. All right, Rohan, to finish it off, we'll wrap this up. One one book you are reading can be personal development, business, uh, or the stack of Harry Potter books, which I also have in the background. What do you got? Yeah, I'm actually reading Prediction Machines. It's uh, the book by um, Jay Agarwal. Uh, he's a U of T prof here, and it's essentially um, you know, we were, I was chatting about this with another tech company uh, founder the other day, and we we're talking about AI. Uh, AI gets thrown around all the time, right? AI, ML, like uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, the nice thing about prediction machines is it's, it's written in a way that makes it super easy, but also gives you actual examples of, um, you know, how, how you can actually build AI and ML to impact business outcomes. And so the, um, I, I think it's a great book for anybody that's looking to start to understand that. It is a bit of a plug for the Toronto ecosystem, uh, the tech ecosystem. That's okay. Um, plug away, man. Toronto is a great place. We're not. We're not opposed. Yes. Not opposed. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm a big. I'm a big. I'm not like. I'm a big volunteer in the South Florida tech ecosystem. So there's a, a group that is a proponent that I volunteer with that I. The CEO who just became CEO, she's a great girl, a woman boss, which we got to stop. They're just bosses, Lauren. You're, you're a boss. You're not a woman boss. If you want, unless you want to call yourself that, uh, you are a bad, you are a bad ass boss. <laughs> um, okay. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very similar. Like we, what we do is like work to, to build up the ecosystem and get people to join in. And we have a pretty good, pretty good presence down here, Rohan. So I volunteer a lot with them. Uh, but shout out to Nikki Caboose. And I met Nikki because she was a customer of mine at 
uh, when I was at Bullhorn or the company she was working for. Now she's the CEO of this basically not profit, not for profit thing, developing South Florida's tech space. So really good person to know. Awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you for volunteering your time on something like that. I mean, I get stuff out of it eventually, but yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> so, well, Rohan, thank you so much for joining us. This is, I, I love this conversation. Uh, I, I, I love that we are creating solutions for all of the end users out there to help create trust, help create control. Um, and, and I just think our, the way work works is going to continue to evolve. And the more that tools out there to evolve with it, I, I think the better off we'll be. I agree about more. Yep. Thanks guys. Thank you both for having me and, um, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Hey, you too. Thanks, Ron. So, signing off, this is Rob. And I'm Lauren. Now go do something good.